Word on Fire is brought to you by Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Chicago area since 1837. This is Cardinal Francis George, and I invite you to join me for the next few minutes to reflect with Father Robert Barron on the Word of God, which is the Word on Fire. Father Barron will challenge us to open our hearts to the Word on Fire, which is God's Word of love for each of us. If our hearts are open, the Lord can change and transform us so that we might speak with love about the one who is love. The Archdiocese of Chicago, through the generosity of Sacred Heart Parish in Winnetka, now presents The Word on Fire. Peace be with you. Friends, our gospel for today is derived from the 15th chapter of the Gospel of John, and it gives us one of the most striking images in the New Testament. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says, I am the true vine, and you are the branches. My Father is the vine grower. Remain in me as I remain in you. Now, I mentioned last week, it is very tempting and very easy to imagine Jesus as simply an inspiring moral example. As a hero from the distant past, someone that we admire across the centuries. Though modernity wants us to believe that, that is not Christianity. Listen, we are not so much in an imitative relationship with Jesus as a participative one. We are organically related to him. We live in him and he lives in us. We are members of his mystical body. To turn him simply into a distant moral ideal is to gut Christianity, is to take the very life out of it. As a branch comes forth from a vine, deriving its life, sustenance, and purpose from the vine, so we come forth from Christ. Deriving whatever we have of a spiritual life, sustenance, purpose from him, We live in him. We remain in him. He's our lifeblood. It's the sap in us comes from him. The liveliness that we have is his. Now listen as the Lord goes on. Just as a branch cannot bear fruit on its own unless it remains on the vine, so neither can you unless you remain in me. Wow, that's an extraordinary claim, isn't it? You take the branch away from the vine, it withers, period, end of argument. It doesn't live on its own. It doesn't have that kind of independence or integrity. It lives only because of the vine. So, if you are taken away from Christ Jesus, you have no life in you. When you were baptized, do you have any idea what that means? I wonder if uh, those of us who are baptized reflect enough on the radicality of baptism. It means you were claimed for and by Jesus Christ. Not just that he's your ethical ideal and all that. It's not that at all. Nothing as banal and flat as that. It means your life was seized by him in order to become the means of his self-expression. Let me say that again. To get this is to get the whole of the spiritual life. 
at baptism, your life was seized by him in order to become a means of his self-expression. You were grafted onto him so that his life might now be expressed through you. Your mind is a vehicle for his mind. Your will becomes a vehicle of his will. Your body becomes an extension of his body. He lives in you, through you. You're an instrumentum, Thomas Aquinas says, an instrument of him. Now, as I mentioned last week, all of this is extraordinarily countercultural. Because our modern culture holds up as the great ideal autonomy. I set the law for myself. I live my own life on my terms. Here's what Jesus says. Anyone who does not remain in me will be thrown out like a branch and wither. People will gather them and throw them into the fire. The autonomous self, as far as Jesus is concerned, is a useless self. The autonomous self should just be gathered up and thrown in the fire. It's dead anyway. Rather, it's the theonomous self that he wants. That means God becomes the nomos, the law of your life, not your own ego. The theonomous self is the self that's grafted onto Christ the way a branch is grafted onto the vine. You know, I've said before, one of the great unrealized dreams of Vatican II is the universal call to holiness. We've been saying it, I know, for 40 years, but something tells me it's not sunk into the church's consciousness. What Vatican II wanted to recover is precisely what I'm talking about today. That all the baptized, so not just priests, not just religious, not just uh, uh, holy types, you know, the elite, everybody, all the baptized, grafted onto Christ, now must live in him for his purposes. To make the world holy by thinking with him, willing with him, desiring with him, moving with him in the world. Can I sum it up for you this way? The whole of the spiritual life is in this line. Christ wants to live his life in you. If you take nothing away from this homily, take that line away, please. Christ wants to live his life in you. Look, therefore, at the steps, energies, moves, dynamics of Christ's life and see them as the very source and stuff of your own moves, energies, and dynamics. Let him live in you. That's the Christian life. So, what does it look like? lest all this talk remain abstract. Well, look at Jesus' life. He was a friend of sinners. From the muddy waters of the Jordan, to the well of the Samaritan woman, to the table with tax collectors and prostitutes, to his cross set up between two criminals, Jesus liked being with sinners. He went to them. He sought them out because he wanted to bring them life and light. Okay, you're a branch grafted onto the vine. 
Therefore, what should your life look like? It should be a life of friendship to sinners. Your life should be an outreach to those who are far from God. Oh, Christians, how often we fall into this elitist trap. No, no, I stay with people that think like me. You know, have my values. I stay with the spiritual elite, and then I'll be safer. Ah, that's not Christ's life. That's not Christ living in you. That's your own ego, by the way. Christ living in you, you go out to the tax collectors and prostitutes of our own time. Who are they? Go find them. Go out to those who would stand in the muddy waters seeking a baptism of repentance. Who are the people that need repentance? Find them. Who are the poor, the marginalized, the imprisoned, the hated, the despised, sinners, lowlifes? Find them. That's what it means to let Christ live his life in you. Secondly, Jesus was a healer. Up and down the Gospels, we hear accounts of Jesus healing. Now, I realize most listening to me don't have the power of physical healing. Maybe some of you do, though. That charism is given in the life of the church. But you know what? Every one of you, every one of you baptized does have the power to heal. I mean, to heal people through your words. To heal people through your gestures, your acts of kindness, your acts of simple care. We all know what this feels like, don't we? When someone's words of forgiveness or support or love or encouragement can heal us, just as words can wound us at the deepest level, so words can heal us. What do your words do typically in the course of a day? Your gestures your actions. Are people more alive because you've been around? Well, that's what Jesus did. He made people more alive. You who are grafted onto him as a branch is grafted onto a vine must therefore be a source of healing. Can I suggest to you, by the way, a very good examination of conscience at the end of the day? Did I heal people today or did I wound them? Ah, we do both. Almost everything we do is one or the other. Did I heal today? Then I was allowing Christ to live his life in me. Thirdly, Jesus was a preacher. The Dominicans, of course, members of the order of preachers, are fond of saying that Jesus said only one mass in his whole life, but he preached constantly. Of course, they're right about that. Jesus preached and preached. Whenever he came into a town, he would speak to the people. When he came to Jerusalem, he preached in the temple precincts. So, you who are allowing Christ to live his life in you, you must preach. I mean the words of the gospel, the words of the good news, should be on your lips regularly. You should teach people the faith. I mean your own kids I mean to teach in religious education programs and so on. But more than that, you should be willing to tell the world of the hope that is in you. I've often said that the modern age wants us to privatize our faith. Whisper it among ourselves. Well, that isn't preaching. Jesus didn't whisper his convictions with his closest followers. No, no, he 
went up on mountaintops and went into public places and preached. So we who are grafted onto him, we through whom he wants to live his life, we must preach boldly, publicly, without hesitation. Fourth, Jesus was a warrior. He fought his whole life long. Even the very beginning of his life, they tried to stamp him out. From the beginning, he opposed and was opposed. The demons, the scribes, the Pharisees, the Jewish authorities, the Romans, his own disciples. Remember he says to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Jesus throughout his life is opposed. Why? Because there are forces that are against the way of love, that are against the path of forgiveness, that are against the ways of God. Are they still around? <laughs> Just look anywhere around you in the world. Read any newspaper headline. Watch the 10 o'clock news. The forces of evil are still very much around. How does Christ want to live his life in you? By turning you into a fighter. Calling out the powers of darkness. And then opposing them, as I've often said, not with their own weapons, not with the weapons of the world, but opposing them with the great weapons of the gospel. Compassion, forgiveness, nonviolence. But fight. Yes, you fight. Finally, Jesus was the crucified Savior. He saved the world precisely through his suffering and his death. How does Christ live his life in you even now? Perhaps by suffering in you. How do you read your own suffering? Oh, it's just dumb pain that happened to me. No, no, it's Christ living his life in you, bringing more life precisely through suffering. Friends, this gospel today gives us a wonderful interpretive key to understand the whole of our lives. Christ wants to live in us. And God bless you. I hope that you were moved today by the word on fire. I pray that together we might become a people on fire with love for God and neighbor here in Chicago and wherever these words are heard. Until we join Father Barron again next week, I'm Cardinal Francis George. God bless you. Most interment arrangements at the 42 Archdiocese of Chicago cemeteries are made through a pre-need plan. Your thoughtful planning today is economically prudent and contributes to peace of mind for you and your loved ones. Catholic Cemeteries counselors are available at your convenience. For more information, call 708-449-6100. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837.